Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you live every Thursday night on Facebook and YouTube, and also love chatting with you during the show. So if you chat with us live, your chats may even show up on the show. Hope to see you there. And uh, you can always catch us later on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app. So you know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. And next up, who's going to make this show lit? That will be Joe Martinez. How's it going, Joe? Hello. Oh, somebody jumped in on my intro. No, Jason's just going to douse it. Yes. Hello, Joe Martinez and Fuego. That means fire in Spanish. Uh, See. Yeah, I am still Worshipful Master, <laughs> Manassas Lodge number 182 in Manassas, Virginia, member of a whole bunch of other things, and as always, damn glad to be here. Nice. Great. Since Jason was so excited to be here, he's going to be so excited to give his introduction. Hey, Wait, Jason. Let me, get all, Hi. let me get all my jewelry on so I can interrupt him while he's talking. Good. Hi, Jason Richards, past master of Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial, Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. Glad to be here. Woo. Glad to have you. Last but not least, Clicky Joe, I mean, Robert Johnson. How's it going, Robert? Well, it's going just fantastic. Thanks for asking. Happy to be here. Uh, Past Master Waukegan Lodge number 78. Um, at that lodge, I'm currently the uh, the uh, senior sideliner. And uh, the Space Novum Lodge 1183 in Libertyville, Illinois, where I am the uh, secretary. And, uh, you know, the, the secretary. The man so, behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm like the bumpers on a bowling alley. Mm, yes, nice. and the members of the ball bumper bowling. Just yeah, yeah. nope, don't do that. And, uh, Damn. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what else? Question. Yeah. What is? Tell me what being a sideliner is like. Tell me all about it. <clears throat> <laughs> all right. Well, imagine started, your greatest fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 it started out um, where I went to lodge, and I was. Um, hanging out on the sidelines and then that was this one meeting and then the next meeting my worshipful master uh, brother gene worshipful brother gene came up to me and he goes hey rj how'd you like to be lodge education officer oh and i was like okay it's in my wheelhouse that's cool right and then um the next meeting i went to I had to sit secretary because my good friend, Carl Donahue was under the weather. So I sat secretary and then this, this last meeting, I sat secretary again and it looks like I'm going to be the secretary for a good year and a half. All right. So sideliner for a whole week. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You know, this is, you know, like I wouldn't have had this digression right into this if not for a point, and that is uh, active Masons. You can't, you can't take the active out of the active Mason. It's just, it kind of happens. 
Well, so. congratulations. Yeah, it's cool, As man. Always. I like my. It would be. It would suck if I hated the guys I worked with, right? Okay. Uh, but I love. I love them all. So good stuff. I got no problems. Awesome. Well, before we get into tonight's show, let's give a special shout out to the patrons who support Heck the yeah. show. You guys are amazing. Thank, Thank you. So, Thank you so much. Y'all are so, on fire. Patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable if you want to help out. Which Not literally on fire. Fire. Yes. Metaphorical. Yes, we are. Yeah. We uh, do not condone combusting yourself. Or arson. Or arson. All right. Tarot card of the week. We are now on our fourth and final classical element. No. Nah. Classical element. Classical. classical. Cla- that's right. yes. It's high, yeah. I use adjectives for a reason, Jason. Words mean things. So tonight, we are I didn't going know to know you could read. <laughs> engineers read. Have to read something. Um, we're going to pull from what tarot card deck, Joe? The Illuminati tarot deck. This Woo. was a Father's Day gift from the always lovely Barbara. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about this deck, but I was reading it, and it says um, it has stuff about secret societies and. Check this out. The major arcana are based on the Priory of Sion, Dan Dan Brown fans. The cups are based on Rosicrucians. The swords are based on the Freemasons. And the coins are based on Martinists. And the Golden Dawn bases the wands. Well, I'll be darned. The wands, yeah. So we're going to shuffle it up. Big deck, pretty deck. Mm -hmm. And uh, see what we get here. Nice. That's a dope deck, man. It yeah. is very cool. It comes with an awesome box and a book. Um, I got like a dues card from all of those. <laughs> so it's the Robert Johnson, like complete set. Yes. All right. Let's see what we got here. He's going to need a Nick Johnson. Uh, Costanza yeah. wallet <laughs> with all the dues yeah. cards. <laughs> Pretty much. What? All right, let's go, Joe. What do we got? We have the initiate of wands so that would be the knight of wands to you right away there it is a better version of it Ooh. boom knight of wands it's on fire let me look at it wands it's are like fire literally. lots of fire in this deck yes very cool so tell us about the uh the knight of wands what do we have here we have uh in this case we has a very egyptian theme here you said the golden dawn series for the wands right yep but in general the knights are action cards, and uh, of course, wands energy. are very actiony. So you got energy, potential, go get them, like go just run out and conquer. Like usually, doing before thinking, right? Just go off and yes. bull in a china shop. Yeah, that's that's really what uh, a lot of that's well, about. passion, listen, lust, etc. If you're dressed like this cat and you have some weird lion horse on your damn chariot, you're <laughs> gonna go horse. wherever the hell you want. <laughs> Where are you headed? You Anywhere I want to. <laughs> and you just got a trail of fire coming behind you. I mean, you're you're there to do stuff. You know, you're not you're not sitting on the sidelines. You know? Oh, you are uh, you are first in line for the bathroom after chilly night, <laughs> <laughs> leaving a trail of fire behind you. Yes, fire. Man, you know it's it is really cool though because the iconography that's being shown on this card, at least, um, interpretively is really neat because it it's almost like the chariot um it's really pulling that same i was saying um, that mm-hmm. the same garb and it's mm-hmm. like you see the wings from judgment you see the charioteer from the the chariot right the the lion of strength 
But it's an Egyptian lion. It's got a beard. Yeah, I mean, well, they probably did that because they liked cats, right? Yeah. Um, really, I just like the artwork. That's really cool. They did a great job with that. And I think intuitively, right, the, the whole thing with uh, inspired action and like you guys talked about, just getting out there, the impulsiveness, yeah. I think is what you're alluding to, is, mm-hmm. is pretty rad there. So just get out and go. Trust your gut. Go do it. Or no. Well, what's like the bad thing if you just do this? Like, is there a well, bad outcome? Well, yeah, there's absolutely, you know, looking before or you leaping did not before, look you, before look. you look. Yeah, leaping before yeah. you look. Yep. Uh, yeah. Causing causing wake, you know, bad yeah. stuff behind you. But it's very self centeredness. But sounds like me. Yeah. So be careful. Be careful <laughs> when, you, when you go off and. Oh, you know what this is? Outdoors. You pulled this card because. Like I threw money down on that Apple Vision Plus. Oh, I just like went all in. I was like, "Oh, did you?" No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Yeah, my my children. I uh, my children want me to also. But (laughs) you can work on it. You can work on it. Like, Mm -hmm. who the hell is gonna work? So the motion tracking that they claim to be able to do is really cool. Yeah, it's pretty slick. It's fun. The only thing I, that, that worries me is if you wear prescription glasses, you can pay between two and six hundred dollars because you can't wear your glasses with the Vision Plus on. the 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 glass that goes on them is actually prescription if the you prescription. wear prescription. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. If it your is cool, but changes. Yeah, it's like a two to six hundred dollar change in price for some folks. So I see a black market. Oh yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, Classical Element of Fire then. Okay. Tonight, as usual, and not the Apple Vision sucks. We're going to talk about (laughs) the... Wow! (laughs) Who did that? Sorry, uh, Freudian slip there. We're going to talk about the Classical Element of Fire, and we're going to follow the same format as before. We'll talk a little bit of history. We'll talk a little bit of religion, religious context, uh, philosophy, all sorts of fun stuff. And so without further ado... Let's go to our resident historian that has a ball cap on, and that will be Joe and Fuego Martinez. I'm the weird history guy, not the not the documented cool. history guy. That's that's him right there. Yeah, yes. more of the ancient aliens history guy. Yes, indeed, indeed. Nice. Yes. Anyway, so fire. Uh, this is probably the most uh, documented, the most. Um, prolific of the classical elements used in ritual and in religious context going all the way back. We're going way past Mesopotamia. We're going way past Sumeria. Um, We're going all the way to the prehistoric era, right? So uh, scientists now know that the harnessing of fire by human beings was the turning point in human evolution, right? Um, being able to harness fire as a tool and then cooking food with it is what started to separate us from the other species of homo that were out there doing their thing. Um, made our brains big, made us smarter and, you know, jumpstarted that, that evolutionary train to show up on the Masonic round table. So that was it. Um, control fire. Definitely. A million years or more plus uh, is when humans were controlling fire. And um, 
early humans used it to what? To make it easier to cook their food, to digest their food. That's where we stopped using our appendix. That's when it started to shrivel away because we didn't need to uh, eat raw meat anymore. Um, provide warmth, provide light, and help them to spread across the globe. So, I mean, boom, that's it. Now, if we're going to talk about it in a spiritual context, start to show up in Mesopotamian cultures, uh, was, again, one of the essential elements used in ritual and religious practices. And it, it, you're going to start to see a pattern here, especially as we leave ancient Mesopotamia, where fire, and Jason's going to talk all about this, so I'm not going to touch on it, but the use of fire during ritual to perform things uh, is very, very important. But, um, you know, for example, the Zoroastrians in ancient Mesopotamia, they worship fire as the symbol of their god, Ahura Mazda. Right, which I think we've talked about in other episodes, um, and they used them in religious rituals, and they had what was known as fire temples. So let's go from Sumeria and Mesopotamia. Let's go to ancient Egypt. The ultimate representation of fire to the ancient Egyptians was the sun, the sun god yeah. Ra, right? Joe, real quick, when you go back to, you, you mentioned Zoroastrianism. Yep. So it's important that, like, this is some of the first, right? Zoroastrianism is considered the first, like, major religion of a sort. But uh, the element of fire in Zoroastrianism is interesting because Zoroaster uses it in a peculiar, in a particular way, representing fire as Uhura Mazda, like you said. But there's pre-Zoroastrianism that touches on this with fire being like a wholly different concept, but uh, Zoroaster actually is the first one who kind of just condenses it into a singular identity for the deity. Anyway, just wanted to make that comment. No, and that's a great comment. And it, it dovetails perfectly into, into Egypt, right? Is because you start to see, um, you know, the ancient religions, which, you know, we have very sparse evidence on and documentation on, but we know that those things happen because they carved them into walls, they carved them onto pillars. So we know that things were going on when they started to uh, write about them, quote unquote. But, but to your point, there's a big difference between worshiping a concept like fire, right, or warmth or water or something and actually personifying it or anthropomorphizing it into a a being of some sort right which we get to later with the greeks and the romans and sorry athena is here and she's interested um uh where it's personified into a being you know so to your point that is probably one of the earliest times we see that where you know a symbol or a element is is personified as as one being that being a horror mazda so but again going right into egypt um, the most powerful personification was what was sitting in the sky, the sun. And that was personified as the God Ra, right? So um, fire was used extensively in religious rituals. Again, again, I'm not going to touch on why they used it because Jason's going to do that. Um, the fire was also used a lot during the mummification process. Now let's leave Egypt as we always have and go into uh, Greece and Rome, the Hellenized world. Um, and where do we see fire mythologically? We see it with the Titan Prometheus who stole fire, which was a godly thing and gave it to man. And that was the turning point for man becoming enlightened and becoming evolved and becoming a species on par with their creators. Right now, obviously Prometheus 
was punished for that. And uh, it was a very sucky punishment, but um, he was punished for it nevertheless. And then the wasn't, Roman... Uh, wasn't Prometheus's son Deucalion? I believe you're right. I'm going to... Deucalion, who is the hero yeah, of the Greek flood myth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I will text Maribel. What do you know about yeah. flood myths? Because Maribel, Maribel, not, did not a, much. Maribel did a talk on Deucalion. Um, mm -hmm. I will ask her um, when the camera is not on me. But yeah, um, another thing. So we get into the Romans too. The Romans actually worship fire as well. Uh, they kept a sacred fire in the temple of Vesta where you had the Vestal Virgins. Uh, that's where that comes from. So um, now we go into, um, let's leave, you know, the European world. Let's move into ancient India. In the Vedic culture, uh, fire was the conduit between humans and gods. So, you know, burning a fire would be that conduit between man and God. Um, uh, what's it called? There were always sacred fire rituals, offerings. But again, I'm going to skip that part because Jason's going to touch on it. Uh, the ancient to the ancient Chinese, fire was one of the five elements, one of their five classical elements. It was associated with heat and summer, the planet Mars, the color red, uh, and it was considered the yang force to the yin force. So um, historically, again, everybody talks about it, and I know I'm skipping a couple, but don't want to monopolize the time here. So, fire, mucho importante. Nice. That was lit. Very nice. Fire. Very good. <laughs> that is a small horse you have behind you. She's where is she? There she is. No, she's underneath me. Oh, she's gotcha. bored. She's bored. You're riding a small horse. <laughs> so uh, one, one thing I like about this is that, you know, you, you set the stage where it really comes down to when man captured and was able to harness the element of fire, right? Where it elevated him above the other creatures, right? And so it had to be something divine. It had to be something that gave him power. And so it, it's rightfully a, a, a symbol of power, a symbol of like completion, a symbol of attainment, right? That's it's the the ultimate that that one can can get to. And so, uh, I, again, I think that's really cool. Why, you know, we we continue to have the those symbols throughout, you know, different cultures to to have that same kind of whether it be power, you know, like uh, material power, or whether it be spiritual power, whether it be you know something like that. It all it all relates. It's a, it's a, it's an evolution point, right? It's what demarcate for, for a lot of these ancient yeah. cultures, it's what separated us from the beast of the field. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know if we're going to start talking about like the Abrahamic religions, you don't see that there, right? That's not, that's not a theme that you find in uh, ancient Christian or, or Jewish or, or um, Muslim texts is that, is that fire was the demarcating point to, to man, right? To man's attainment of their next level of existence, right? It's a it's a different origin story. Yep. New Jersey for the win, right there. All right. So now let's uh, let's move into a little bit more of the uh, the the symbolism behind this too. So um, another 
category, I guess you could call it, of of symbolism that I found to that I or like kind of go back to whenever I'm using the wands and my tarot readings and stuff like that. So they do represent spiritual attainment or spiritualism or the spiritual side of man. Um, it it is it does relate to sexuality, right? So when you see, you know, knights of wands just going in there and and uh, you know getting his prey, then that's uh, it's a very powerful getting it done getting it done kind of card. Um, but also related, uh, I, f- I found one interpretation that sticks with me, project management of all things that you know, it's the power to plan and see your plans come to fruition, right? It's, it's control. So I, I kind of like, in, like that aspect too. Jason, in the it project management, you're also manifesting. Yeah. Right. You start out exactly. you start out with nothing and at the end, you know, you have this amazing technological capability that, you know, you can um, then sell to everybody. Yeah, my brain is going a different route with that. If I was manifesting fire in the IT world, it's because I'd be burning stuff down. Burning servers on yeah. my way out the door. Yeah, but you're grumpy. So like <laughs> Right. So it's it's the it's the Joe Martinez element. being Milton from Office Space over here. I I, I said no salt. Place on fire. So this is the, the get yourself get your stuff together. Ooh, red stapler card. So um, let's move on to some of the other aspects of it. Uh, let's look at the um, what do we have here? The, the platonic solids again. We we talk about that. Let me get that that graphic up again. Already. Just just already let's jump right in get to the rainbow the rainbow rocks the rainbow rocks nice it's like the infinity stones all right here we go sharing screen two poof there are the platonic solids again and fire as complex as it is it is actually the simplest uh of the platonic solids and which is interesting because plato associated this solid the tetrahedron with fire because of its pointy ends, which he ex- explained mimic the stabbing sensation of the flame. Furthermore, it is the simplest and lightest solid, and therefore this is the element that is linked to the soul and creates change. He was a smart guy. He was. He really he was. Should, he should write some books. Yep. Mm. It's pretty wild because back in the day, like in firefighting and things, they used to use the fire triangle to describe how a fire starts. And I don't know if they were thinking about platonic solids or not, but they've abandoned that. And they now use the fire tetrahedron. Uh, tetrahedron. So oh, interesting. It, yeah, they use, um, you know, they, they call it, uh, uh, it's a solid having four plane faces, right? And then they have the various uh, pieces like fuel, heat, oxygen, chemical chain reaction kind of thing that moves along to it. I just think it's interesting because it's, uh, I don't know, um, practical stuff that is mimicking sort of an ancient 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. Tell me, tell me, tell me that you don't like like scientific and practical reality mixed with the mystical, his, you know, historical, allegorical. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, boner time. That would be, that would sound like something that Robert Johnson would like. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Yeah, it's, it's cool. So in thinking about some of these things, you guys were talking about symbol, symbology and things. One of the most interesting ways that fire had shown up in terms of, for me, um, was in Heindel, one of Max Heindel's books. Say what you will, I know he plagiarized a lot, probably uh, in, in by way of lectures and things from, um, oh gosh, you know, uh, sort of the Anthroposoph- An- Anthroposophical Society over in uh, Europe. Um, anyway, uh, Steiner, Rudolf Steiner. So, gotcha. so he, he kind of has got a little bit of plagiarism going on there sometimes, but. Heindel talks about the spiritual fire, and it's really interesting. Uh, I'm just going to pull this quote here. He says, We do not usually realize that the whole world is a fire, that fire is in the water, that it burns continually in the plant, animal, and man. Yes, there is nothing in the work that is not ensouled by fire. The reasons why we do not perceive this more clearly is that we cannot disassociate fire and flame. But as a matter of fact, fire bears the same relation to flame as spirit to the body. It's the unseen but potential power of manifestation. In other words, the true fire is dark, invisible to the physical sight. It is only clothed in flame when consuming physical matter. Consider for illustration how fire leaps out of the flint when struck and how a gas flame has the darkened core beneath the light-giving portion. Also, how a wire may carry electricity and be perfectly cold, yet it will emit a flame under uh, certain conditions. But the part that I love is the unseen but potent power of manifestation. Uh, the true fire is dark and invisible to the physical light, and it's only clothed in flame. You think about fire, but it, the flame happens when it's consuming the physical matter. I thought it was just it's so poetic, and like you can kind of visualize it. So, as you were reading that, I went, and I think I've referenced this, or one of us have every single week, was the beginning of man's creation in Genesis, right? So, mm-hmm. yep. talk about those four elements, and and fire is there exactly as as um steiner points it out right he breathed into his nostrils a living soul right and when you said dark and invisible that's all i could think of so it just drove it home for me and another biblical reference that really got me down this uh, four elements path is uh, matthew three eleven, where it says i will baptize you with water for repentance but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. Fire. So. And you don't even have to go into the, you know, the, the Christian New Testament. I mean, we, if we're going to keep it in a Masonic context, right, there are plenty of examples in where we pull our ritual from that talk about the importance of, or the personification of fire as deity right we go to moses with the burning bush right that the burning acacia bush the burning acacia bush that was not consumed yet was on fire or and this is where john's going to get happy the presence of god on earth 
in the mercy seat at the tabernacle, you know, the Shekinah, the Shekinah, um, that was a pillar of fire. Right. And that meant God was here with you on earth, you know, not just in the sky doing God things, but he was there. And Um, then God, God leading the Israelites through a pillar of fire by night. And this is interesting, right? Because that calls back to the Vedic tradition. So that's pretty cool. And I'm excited to hear what Jason has to do with the Egyptian stuff, because in prep for tonight, basically what I did was knowing he was going to talk about that. I'm like, well, I might have some backup stuff, right? So I just pulled out my A.E. Wallace Budge, uh, Egyptian Magic, and his his book on Egyptian religion. And like, holy cow, the, the stuff that's contained in these is just wild. So... Just, just keeping it real. I am not talking about anything Egyptian tonight. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Oh. No, that's because dickhead up here. He's uh, well. I thought <laughs> I was going to cover like the Neoplatonic senses, but since I, I thought you were covering that, Jason. So I'll, I'll skip. <laughs> yeah, that. we that's thought you were doing that, Jason. I have more. Right. I have more. Um, Israelite stuff because, like I said, it dovetails so nicely into uh, masonry since that's where we pull ninety percent of our ritual from. But um, you know, and then and then I know I'll skip the parts where we talk about alchemy. But um, sacrificing in the Old Testament was nonstop fire. You know, it was just big old fire, let it burn, and just throw stuff on it. You know, lambs and baby cows, sometimes babies. You know, all the things just in the fire. Uh, just thinking Lots about, just thinking about, uh, Isaac sacrificing. Yeah. Well, he wasn't going to get, bur- well, he was going to get burned, but he was going to get stabbed first. You know, that's true. Um, yes. That's true. Moving on to the four humors. We have the four humors again, which again, I still never, is, is this one boogers? Which one is one, one of them? Dank. Dank. The four humors. <laughs> the dank. That has to dank, do with water. Dank memes. Phlegm yes. is, is the dank part. It's- Oh, All right, so we are now, we're now at the Submarine hot, dry, memes. yellow bile, tasty. Uh, yellow bile was associated with the choleric nature of man, the ambitious, decisive, aggressive, and short-tempered. Again, common. Joe. Yes, Joe in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very similar to everything we just talked about. <laughs> it was thought to be fluid found within the gallbladder or in excretions such as vomit and feces. Uh, the associated qualities for yellow bile are hot and dry with the natural association with summer and fire. And it was believed that an excess of this humor in an individual result in emotional irregularities, such as increased anger or behaving irrationally. Also, Jim. Also, yeah, like a, like a hot temper. But I wonder if there are any known medical, you, condi- any known medical conditions that would associate things like jaundice with mood or, um, you know, the inability to uh, function in a cognitive fashion. Uh, That'd be interesting. Hey, all those doctors out there, figure that out. Yeah. You have to think it now. Cause again, if you, if you're jaundice, that means that, uh, your blood isn't filtering. So it's a kidney or liver disease. So you have a backup of, toxins in your blood and purities so that could cause you to have dishumor of course so see what we yeah, just did tempered yeah, yeah. 
okay, moving on to the, the towel Burgers. system, as Joe alluded to. Burgers. We have, um, just to elaborate what Joe had mentioned earlier, that it is in the one of the five towel elements, uh, and they it is related to fire or, or summer, the summertime. And uh, it is a period of swelling, flowering, or things that expand with heat. has to deal with passion and intensity. And also, the downside is hate and resolve. It's another, you know, passionate, right? Because you could be passionate in love and passionate in hate at the same time. Um, and interestingly enough, since we just passed the summer solstice, um, it is also the element associated with the summer solstice. Fire! Fire! Let's move up to the four levels of the soul or five levels of the soul in the Jewish system. And moving on up past the intellectual side, we actually have Chaya, C-H-A-Y-A for my poor pronunciation. It is the fourth level, which corresponds to the spiritual world of emanation. People who rise above the levels of emotion and intellect will become uh, spiritual beings with a purpose and a greater sense of spiritual reality. And so Chaya is the intellectual comprehension in order to which to commune with God as the creator of the worlds. So the level of Chaya um, communes with God as he transcends the worlds. Here, the soul's knowledge is not in the eminence of divine attributes, which identify the nature of the divine energy manifested in creation, but rather with knowing that God is not. That is, how is he not limited or defined by the finite universe? Right? So the soul is now merging into a complete state of the nullification of the ego. Pretty heavy stuff, right? So we're now, we're starting, we're stopping to think about our emotional reaction to creation. We're stopping, we're, we're going beyond the intellectual uh, comparing, you know, verses of the Bible to see how they all fit together. Now we're in, like, we're stripping away the ego and we are trying to reunite with the creator. It's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's talk about zodiac signs. So I'm going to pull from my favorite astrology book, Astrology for Ooh. Dummies. And the fire signs are one of the um, uh, three out of the 12 zodiac signs. So let's talk about fire signs. And these are Aries, Leos, and Sagittarius. Fire is the first of the traditional elements, and you don't need to be an astrologer to guess what it means. Ancient astrologers associated fire with the forces of creation. That association stands. Fire brings vitality, activity, and desire. It generates heat. So therefore, people born under these dynamic signs are vigorous and courageous. They're also restless and impatient. And they have trouble accepting limits, which may be why they're prone to, metaphorically, burn out. You, you let, uh, so it's funny you said that. So I'm actually a Pisces Aries cusp. Oh no. Am, yeah. That's, so, that certainly explains. Depending on the mood and how much coffee I've had. Um, I, I go one way or the other. So if you are a fire yeah. sign, you are active, spirited, assertive, and a natural leader, which is why you will never stop being worshipful master. Did it say potty mouthed? Is that one of the uh, one of choices? Just skipped over that part. Okay. All right. Cool. <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right. And again, if you want to go down the astrological thing, right, you could also have not your sun sign, but also your uh, rising sign, right? So your, your rising sign is kind of who you really are. 
your sun sign is kind of who you are out in the world, but your your rising or your ascension, uh, it may be a different sign, and therefore could also be, you know, a little bit more about what your real personality is. So interesting. So watch out for those Aries. I'm married to an Aries, but she doesn't really relate too much to those. Mm. Right, dear. Moving on, we yeah. are now into uh, the last one that I have that we've been doing for the past four episodes, which is the um, part S exegesis, right? The, the, the four levels of reading your spiritual texts and the S in part S stands for sowed S O D. And it is actually just what you'd think it would be in this, this level of, you know, more spiritual reading. We're now looking at the secret or mystery level esoteric it is the esoteric or mystical meaning of the text as usually given through inspiration or revelation it's the hidden meaning so it's something that you 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 can't be told you have to kind of experience it yourself you kind of have to have that that revelation behind it so again fascinating way to to read your texts is to go beyond the literal words on the page. It's, it's kind of like, up there. yeah, it's kind of like parable on steroids, right? It's like, yeah, we put this here, but it is completely hidden from your view. Yes. And I'll, I'll concur with what uh, metal. Steganography. It's a much different meaning. Steg, stego. I thought you said mental guys, but yes. Um, this is where you just let, you just let go and you, you see what get, becomes inspired. So good. All the same meaning. This is the great, I love about this is that these, if, when you look at these patterns and these correspondences across all these different systems, they all say the same thing, right? They're all, once you learn just to kind of read the signs, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's also interesting to note that, that in a lot of the religious connotations that we seem to have in some of the Western esoteric traditions, which are like a lot of Christian mysticism and things, we see even things, since you're not going to talk about this, uh, because, you know, Joe decided to put you up to no, to nothing or something. I thought Jason was going to research that. Yeah. Well, anyway, there was this, there was a really interesting part inside of uh, A.E. Wallace Budge's um, religion, Egyptian religion, one uh, where it talks about the, uh, the, okay, the wicked being burnt in a pit of fire. And there's actually a really neat illustration of this uh, on page 165. And I'll pop that right now. So you can check this out. Uh, it's really pretty cool because it describes almost a scene out of something you might uh, be described in a Holy Bible, right? So these guys are all heading down to be eternally, uh, you know, burned. Uh, very interesting sort of uh, iconography here. And then in other parts of the fire symbolism with this in their Egyptian magic by Wallace Budge, he talks about um, the opening of the mouth ceremony that they used a specific type of incense with the flame, obviously, to uh, invite the spirit to, uh, you know, come out of the mouth and inhabit the cat or some other object. Uh, but it's all very sacred, um, you know, 
some symbology that that deals with it. And I think it all just kind of comes back to whether or not it's uh, the fire and the creation, um, but even in the sense of renewal, and we see it with other you know elements like the phoenix and things of that nature. That's a good good observation. Well, I think if we're gonna if we're gonna throw out super people who write about fire, um, we cannot forget um, one of my favorites, which I know Robert on his podcast is doing reading an awesome book on it. Manly yeah. P. Hall, his first oh, book. His first book before he published Secret Teachings was his first book was Initiates of the Flame, um, where he talks a ton about fire symbolism. I've got two little blurbs from the cover pages. Um, but uh, so in Initiates of the Flame, and I'm reading off Project Gutenberg, so don't get all squirrely on me. But he talks about uh, the altar. And he says, of the elements of the earth is this altar composed. It is the great cube of matter. On or in this altar burns a flame. It is this flame that is the spirit of all created things. Man, know thyself. Thou art the flame, and thy bodies are the living altar. And then if you've ever seen a picture of a lamp with a little flame on it that represents, you know, knowledge, uh, DEOs, you know what I'm talking about? He, he writes about that, the ever-burning lamp. Know that the flame that burns within thee and lights thy way is the ever-burning lamp of the ancients. As their lamps were fed by the purest of oil, so thy spiritual flame must be fed by a life of purity and altruism. Boom, done. Put the book down. That's basically what the whole book says. So there nice. you go. Drop the mic. Manly P. Hall. Boom. Awesome. All right, Jason. So could you talk about the uh, scientific application of the flame as how it applies? So the alchemical oh, application wait, that's, that's what you got. of the flame. Um, yes, would be, would be happy to. Um, um um, oh man it's uh it's been a week it's been a week so looking at the alchemical process um you know seven stages and the first one the very very first one is calcination and that is the stage of alchemy that makes the use of fire the idea with calcination is you take the um, you take the you know initial elemental materials you know the the materia prima um, and you subject it to intense fire and heat which then burns off the impurities and uh, superfluities of the the materia prima so that once you know the fire goes away you are you are left with just a you know more or less of a purified substance and ash so that when you in the next stage of alchemy combine that with water it's easy to separate out the ash from the from the you know purified materials so 
really, really, really cool. Um, you know, calcination from a from a metaphorical standpoint. I mean, think of that as as referring to the burning off of the superfluous elements of ourselves that no longer serve us. I mean, it's it's the beginning of a process of sanctification. Um, you see this a lot again, as as Joe mentioned, in initiation. Um, you know, there the idea that you know you are, you know, obsessed with the material senses, you know, and and you know, imperfect prior to that, you know, cleansing fire of initiation, um, and then and zeal mm-hmm. and zeal, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so I think it's interesting from a manifestation. Uh, perspective as well because you know fire is really that initial catalyst for manifesting the alchemical transformation and so that that to me you know kind of brings it all back full circle agreed yeah i mean because it's uh it's all alchemically masonically it's all about removing impurities Right, we're all trying to break off uh, these imp- imperfect pieces of us to make a more refined, better thing. Uh, you know, like uh, like Dennis says here, like forging a sword. Right, you've got to got to heat it up, make that metal stronger. So uh, it, it's it's a it's a very great metaphor for what we're trying to do as philosophically or- oriented men and masons to to just refine what we have, make it stronger uh, through uh, the testing of the flame. Awesome. Great. All right. Uh, any last go arounds before we go to final question of the week? You're muted, Joe. Yeah. You, you know, you know what I said there. Um, so are we stopping at four elements? Are we, are we, we are not. Let's keep going. Yes. We've got at least like seven more we could do. Yes. Oh, or a whole periodic table, if you were. Yes. We're going to try to get uh, Bruce Willis on next week. Or Mila Jovovich. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, there we go. She's less busy. Yes. Yes. She's only true. doing an occasional movie every, you know, five years. So. <laughs> yeah. But Sun card, yeah. thank you for nudging us on. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the fifth element next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one will it be? You'll have to stay tuned next week to find out. All righty. <laughs> so plasma. Let's go. The element uh, is plasma. It wasn't Chris the... Rock. Chris Rock. It wasn't Chris Rock. He wasn't in the fifth element. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Minus five points. That's right. For Metal Drew. All right. Let's go to it. Final question. What does the element of fire mean to you? How do you apply it practically? And uh, we will start with Jason Richards. Go ahead. Take it away. What do you think it means to you? So the element of fire to me, um, I liken it very much to, and it was said a couple times in the chat, I liken the element of fire to to that divine spark that resides within us. And so the idea of 
breathing life into man, passing that fire and that divine spark, um, very much like in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit uh, coming, you know, upon the apostles in in the flame. Um, to me, fire is the, you know, the kind of formational manifestation source. And so when I, when I look at fire from a practical standpoint, um, fire is the passion and the drive to transform and make yourself into something new, make something new as I'm a program manager in real life. Um, you know, and so I've always, uh, you know, I've always been kind of attracted to the idea of manifestation and, um, that's why the wands are, you know, my, my favorite suit within the, uh, the minor arcana and yeah, I think fire is the, if nothing else, it's a very real and present reminder that God is always with us and God is in some way, shape or form within us always as well. Boom. Nailed it. Thanks, Jason. No Over problem, you, Joe. John. What, uh, what does fire mean to you, Joe? Well, uh, yeah. So Jason took my answer. So... <laughs> Um, yes, but, <laughs> um, but I was pretty much going to say, uh, a, a very similar thing to me, fire represents that, <clears throat> that, that living soul aspect of ourselves, that ethereal, eternal, always present spiritual aspect of our, of our presence here on earth, right? Not the meat suit, not the brain, not the thinking it's. It's that soul part, that part that connects us to the divine. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's not, for me, it's not a representation. It is, it is like the Shekinah. It's the physical presence or manifestation of, of the divine, right? And that's why it's become or has been such a symbol of divinity for going back to prehistory, right? Um, that's why it's always been there because it's, it's primal and, everybody recognizes it and it's, it's been going on for so long. So yeah, for me, fire spirit, same, same. Boom. What, what Jason said. Got it. What Jason said. All right. Robert Johnson, give us some new insights. Good grief. Um, well, Jason really did a great job there. I think that was uh, an amazing answer. Everybody's surprised. We well, really are though. Well, here's, here's are. Why. Yeah. That's yeah. why we put Tim first. No, Joe is always <laughs> like, oh, I had to go after Jason or I had to go after Robert or something. And it's like you totally flipped the script and and now we had to go we have to go after this really epic answer. So it was really great. Um I'm not surprised in the least. <laughs> um, I think for me, fire is just this this indicative thing of constant change, right? A constant metamorphosis, and and yet while both destructive, um, there's that whole sort of transformational idea that you know whatever is uh, burnt away 
um, was, you know, the lesser parts of me or, you know, whatever the case might be, uh, but also that you're continually, like, if you're always on fire, symbolically speaking, of course, you're, you're evaporating into the, you know, with your transformation comes like, the the gases that made you up as you're burning away you are, are affecting the community as well so there's a kind of a this reaching idea that like through your you know fire transformation what falls off is potentially valuable for for others or to see the transformation um, and so for me yeah it's just a, it's an element of transition i like the iconography of the the phoenix um, in particular, or the Bennu bird, whatever you want to use, uh, the idea that fire changes it and it's rebirthed and it's a continual process. So um, I really like that, but I also love it from that standpoint of it being the beginning, as Joe was talking about earlier. So that's me. That's you. Love it. Thank you. All right, let's go over to me. And I know uh, we didn't cover the the actual Blue Lodge aspect as well. So anyone want to throw in their, their ideas in the hat about where does fire show up in the Blue Lodge? So I would definitely say it's a third degree kind of thing. Because Three Robert's, burning candles. Right. So that's the, uh, the exoteric for sure. Three burning tapers. We've got light. Um, we've got light. We've got burning in the third degree, potentially. Robert's got something he's going to show here. He's he's digging deep. He's going down to the uh, the archives. So he's, like I can picture like Robert and his deep into the archives yeah, of the hat, of the lodge. The hatch, goes down um, the stairs, lights <laughs> the torch. Uh, okay. So the Masonic Tarot had something interesting about fire in there as well. Uh, we talked about this, I think, when we started um, disassembling these elements, but fire represented by gold, right? It says the metal reaches uh -huh. its beauty and purification by the action of fire. So it's transformative. So you can think about that as a, perhaps a, a conduit sort of uh, connector in between each degree. Uh, but also... It talks about the alchemical elements. And finally, somewhere in here, we're purified by water and also purified by fire. But it seems to be an interesting illusion in here that the fire is a fundamental part of some sort of third degree mm -hmm. that I may or may not have witnessed, but not in Illinois. Aha. Uh -huh. Interesting. No, thanks for sharing that. I'm trying to find, dig that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Seneca quote where uh, in Latin it's igneous arum probat. Miseria fortes viros, which means fire is a test of gold, but adversity of strong men. Mm, right? Interesting. So it's testing, mm. um, testing and purifying, making things stronger. So for me, uh, the element of fire, 
you know, from the, aside from the spiritual aspect of like attainment and completion and, you know, that's, that's kind of where we should be setting our, our eyes upward and onward. Um, especially like doing like tarot stuff. It's really about projection, uh, to be a little, a little crude. It's, uh, it's big D energy, right? Where you're like, I'm coming in. It's kind of like we, how we started the show. It's, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go tackle this thing. I'm not going to care what happens. I'm going to be aggressive and forceful and powerful in the sense of, you know, do what I need to do to, to manifest, as Jason said, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And so I, I, when, oh, you're done, John, when you're done, when you're done, when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so yeah, just to wrap it up. Um, that's, that's where I tend to think about that element, um, as, you know, as a goal, as a aspirational, and uh, momentum seeker, right? So something that's trying to push me forward to accomplish, whether it be the project I'm working on, whether it's, you know, the, my, my religious and spiritual studies, whatever that is, like, I want to make sure if I'm trying to be a better person, a better father, like that's, that's certainly what's um, driving me to take that action uh, to, to end in a better way than I started. So Robert, what you got? Love, love the tie back to the action. Uh, so in this, right, it's going through those different challenges. So the trial of earth is the uh, prep room, essentially. Then you've got a, a, a purification by water. And then uh, perhaps you're met once you come into the lodge by the symbolism of the sword, which is mm-hmm. symbolic of air. And then it says next. Now, again, this is not any ritual that I know of, so... Uh, that's my caveat. Next, the worshipful master proclaims that the candidate must t- make his third mysterious journey to be purified by fire. The candidate is walked to a point near the scales of the worshipful master and put in front of a small pot containing fire. The official assistants run the hands of the candidate over the tongues of the fire to symbolize purification through this element. The four alchemical elements and corresponding astrolo- uh, astrological symbols also appear at other times of initiation. Um, When the candidate is made to drink a concoction called the cup of bitterness, he or she is being put in contact with the element of water in the glass. Uh, The bitter water symbolizing uh, the purging uh, and the troubles of life. Uh, Just interesting stuff. Nice. Sounds fun. It does sound fun. Sign me up for that degree. Okay. Nice. awesome well hey this has been great stay tuned for next week for the fourth plus one extra element so that'll be fun and uh certainly a little different take from the rest so uh with that i want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more light have a good night wow Wow.